I think the dessert is uh, peach cobbler or apple cobbler. I can't remember, but it's, it's already in there for you. And uh, so we're going to have all that, but we need you to sign up to make sure we order enough because we have to turn in the order Monday. So uh, make sure you do that because, hey, we want to make sure we have enough food. You know, come on, we like to eat around here, and uh, we want to make sure we, we have a good time. So what we'll do is we'll have a, uh, you know, an abbreviated service. We're going to always come in and worship Jesus and have a word, and then we'll go back there and eat. Now, if you're uncomfortable with that, let us know. Put it on there, and you can bring the plate lunches home and eat them there. But if you sign up for 10 people, make sure 10 people are here if you're going home, right? We, I want to be able to preach to all of them. And, uh, you know, so we're going to do that. Uh, also, we've got a video that we're going to show here in just a second. Not quite yet, though, guys. Um, I put a little thing on there about the Bibles. This is the Fire Bible. Now, I know it's right around Thanksgiving time. I understand that. It's just something that, that the Assemblies of God is doing here in the state. They were going to do it earlier in the year. But with the things that have been going on, how upside down, backwards, and sideways this year has been, uh, they moved it to November 22nd. But what it is, is uh, we're going to raise money for fire Bibles. These are study Bibles that are going to be sent overseas. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring all the money in and see how much we can raise. They're $25 a Bible. We're $25 a Bible. And so $1,000 is 40 Bibles. Now, you're going to see in this video that these Bibles have been translated into two different languages, and not a lot of those pastors have Bibles to study in. So we're going to help them get Bibles. It's $25 to print the Bible and have it put into their hands overseas. It's just not a bad deal. But $1,000 is 40 Bibles. So what we want to do is raise as much as we can so that we can buy as many Bibles as we can. I mean, we, we want to be able to do that. So um, when you put it on your, your offering out there, just write Fire Bible or just write Bible if you can remember that. Or just write Fire. We'll make sure it gets there. If you go online and you do the drop-down, you will be able to see Fire Bible. There's one in there for you. So go ahead and show that video real quick, guys, and I'll come back up after. Hi, my name is Jeffrey Dove, and I have the distinct honor of being one of your missionaries to the great ministry of Life Publishers, the producer of a great tool that you know as the Fire Bible. Formerly known as the Full Life Study Bible, this great ministry tool has 77 articles on faith and conduct, has articles at the bottom of every single page explaining difficult passages in the text. It's got commentary, it's got concordance, it's got theme finders, it's got everything a serious student of the Word would want to have. Now, we're asking you, as you look to the future, what can we do to leave legacy in our world for the body of Jesus Christ? We're looking to you to help us with two editions of the Fire Bible in the Sinhala, or for Sri Lanka, and in the nation of Serbia. The Fire Bible coming out where we can give it to our workers and pastors and they can have everything in this one book, you know, which will assist them is an incredible blessing. I'm really excited that we're going to have the Fire Bible in Serbia soon. and really thankful to have the Pentecostal point of view. So Fire Bible would be really helpful for us, especially because we have very few translations of Bible and no one with references. So because of the huge amount of references, that would be really helpful for us. I am so excited about this Fire Bible, study Bible. We need that in Serbian language. And all what we need is there in this Bible. God helping us, we are going to resource the countries of Sri Lanka and Serbia in their quest to win their nation for Jesus Christ. 
The Fire Bible, bringing the fire of God's Word to the human heart. Yes, Lord. So on the 22nd, we're going to be doing that. We're going to be raising money for that. So bring your money that day or give it before. But what we want to do is we want to send one large amount to them and, and see how many Bibles we can, we can do. Now, remember Brother Ron Paul, he used to sneak Bibles into China. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I know uh, some of you know Miss uh, Sister uh, Nora Travis, who had passed away. We, we were talking about that. And she said, you know, uh, and the family had asked that don't send flowers or food and all that. Just give to your favorite charity. And, you know, I was talking to them, and they're like, it's like, you know, what if people gave in her honor if they wanted to for a Bible? You know, or two. And it's, they were like, oh, that'd be great. And so there's plenty of opportunities to do it, you know. Uh, but we want to we wanna send some Bibles overseas, amen. And so I'm, I'm going to keep telling you about that. You don't have to give it today. You can save it until you get that day or go online, however you want to do it. But, but on that day, we want to have the money here. So, yes, try to save it if you can. I know we've already got some in, but that's okay. I'm going to collect them all, and we're going to do them all at one time. Uh, so we just have this, an amaz this amazing thing, amen. We're going to do this. So, so we've got that going on. We've got the Thanksgiving going on. There's, there's other things. I know here in December uh, coming up quickly, uh, we're going to have our presents for prisoners. I think that's this, the 12th. Uh, of December, which is on a Saturday. We're going to have that. We're going to start packing all of that stuff up and blessing the prisoners. Amen. That's going to be an amazing time. I think we're going to have a, a, a revote or something on the 5th or, you know, uh, we'll get with Gooby later and find out. But that's, you know, uh, there's some more of the election stuff still going on. So there's a lot of things going on. We're, we're trying to finish out the year strong and we're continuing in ministry because that's what we do. If we're not doing ministry, we're a country club. And I never did enjoy country clubs. So Hey, we're going to shift gears real quick now, and we're going to talk about giving to the Lord, not buying Bibles. But can I tell you that your giving also helps us buy Bibles? We have people that we run into that don't have Bibles, and we do. We bless them with the Bible. We support the missionaries around the world and right here in America that we support. And it all comes from the giving of the congregation of New Life. Amen. It all comes from, from what the people give here. And, and I want to say thank you for continuing to give. Because throughout this time, we have always supported our missionaries. There were some churches that just stopped supporting them. We have always supported our missionaries. Why? They don't have an opportunity to go get a job. And we've, we've been blessed here to be able to do that. So today as we give, I just want to remind you what the Word says. You're blessed because you're a giver. You're blessed because you're obeying God's Word. You're blessed because of all that Jesus Christ did, and now you're a partaker of that. The Word says that... We give, and it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, and runneth over. Give, and it shall be given. And, and, and in the King James, it says, into your bosom. And, and one of the, the guys I saw, you know, the, the people at that time, they would have the long, and they would roll it up and hold it so people could put in. And so they would be filling up this big area. And so, you know, what? as we bless the Lord, we, we do the same thing. We ask him, Lord, what would you have me to give? My tithes are his. I never questioned that. That's, that's not even a negotiable. But is there anything else you're wanting to get through me today, God? Always ask that question. And you know, there's times he says stuff, and sometimes he doesn't. And there's sometimes, I, I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit or us saying, you know what, I just want to give. But either way, I know that I'm a giver, and he's going to bless that. So it doesn't bother me. I'm always going to bless the Lord. Amen. So today as you give, we have the, the trays out front, as we always do uh, for this season. We're not going to pass them around right now, you know, trying to be safe. Or you can go online to newlifeag.church and go to giving. Set up your account. 
right there, and you can give, and you can even go print out your stuff and see how much you've given. You can do all that right there through there. So let's pray this morning, and then we're going to do some worship. Amen. Can we do that? All right. So, Lord, we thank you that we get to be in your house. And, Lord, I thank you that we have an opportunity to bless you. Well, there's so many walls that were built between us because of sin and because of the work that Jesus did on the cross and getting up out of the grave, Lord, and us accepting that and confessing it, we can now come to you. So as believers, we want to come to you today and bless you and give to you according to your word. We bring our tithes, but we also want to bring you an offering that you'd smile down upon us. So Lord, today receive these offerings and these tithes. Lord, use them around the world, but especially right here in our area so that we may reach the lost and the hurting and help those that are hungry. And we ask this all in Jesus' mighty name. And if you agree with that, say amen with me this morning. Amen. All right, I'm going to make my way up here and try to do this. Whew. Anybody come ready to worship? All right. So a couple of y'all. Jesus. Got all these text messages on my phone. They're from preachers around the area. We text each other sometimes in the morning. Not like we ain't got enough going on. We just start texting each other. Hey, listen, so they've been working on our internet, and uh, it seems like they've got some things worked out. So last Wednesday it worked okay. We're hoping it works today. Uh, if anybody's watching online and it keeps kicking out, by about 2 o'clock or so I'll have the whole service uploaded so you can go back and watch the, uh, the entirety of it. But... Uh, yeah, we're still, they're still trying to figure all the craziness out. So, all right, go ahead and raise your hands and get loose this morning. We're going to worship. Come on, y'all ready to worship? Listen, I take worship seriously, even though I, I, I joke around about it. You know why? Because I know who I'm worshiping. Amen. I know who I'm loving on. So, I might have to take that out of my pocket. Hang on last. <laughs> Hallelujah. Y'all ready?
Listen, sometimes you just got to throw your hair down. Let it down and let it flow so you can worship a little bit. You know what I'm saying? You know that reference of you spin? That's a reference back to King David. When the presence of God was coming in, what happened? He started dancing. But you know what? People looked at him like he was crazy. Huh? His wife looked at him like he was crazy. His clothes start coming out. You too. You're the king. You can't be doing all of that. She, oh, no, no, no. I'm paraphrasing, of course. <laughs> I can get way more undignified than this. Amen. Come on. When I'm dancing for my Lord, I can get way more crazy than this. Why? Because he deserves all of the praise and the glory and the honor and worship and any other word you can come up with. Come on. He, can, he deserves it all. All, 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 and all, and all. And I'm going to turn the ACs down just a hair for y'all. Hallelujah. Yep, I figured I'd get a hallelujah on that one. I see a bunch of people out there.
that song right there, but it's like we can't do it today. We got to go back and sing just a little bit more. Y'all ready? Stars were made to worship, so will I. like God has left you behind. You feel like you're all alone. Can I tell you this? You're the one. He never left you. 
was so amazing.
Praise the net. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I am a child of God. Shout it out if you have to, because sometimes they're a little bit far away. I am a child of God. Come on. I know who I am. Don't you try to tell me any different. I know who I is. 
I am a child of God. Yeah, I'm going to need to stand too. Come on. I am a child of God. I know who I am. Don't you try to tell me who I am not. You know, that, that, hallelujah. Thank you, sir. That is kind of like, you know, uh, where's our kids at? I'm going to go ahead and let them get rolling. Yeah, thank you. Y'all give it up to the worship team, man. We got another piano player up there. I'm trying to lose my job. I mean, uh, trying to lose my job, I guess. I'm, hallelujah. That's okay. You know, that, that kind of, when, when I start thinking about I'm a child of God, it's kind of like this. Something always annoyed me uh, is, is when I go, like, sign papers at a, at a bank or with a lawyer. Like, you know, when you buy a house, right? Sign legibly. I'm sorry, that's not my legal signature. Well, no, sir, if it's not done legibly, we can't accept it. My wife knows. Uh, uh, my legal signature is right there on my driver's license. It's on my signature card at my bank. And if it's not signed like that, that ain't me. But you got to sign it legibly. Then I'm not signing. And they get mad at me. The lawyers get mad at me. But you can ask my wife. I, no. I know what my signature is. And that's what I'm going to sign. And it's just an aggravating thing. I know who I is, so don't try to tell me who I is. Who I is, because I know who I is. Well, I'm glad you guys are laughing. Um, <laughs> we, we were laughing this morning that I was still back here adding on to this sermon. Turn your Bibles over to 1 Samuel chapter 4. 1 Samuel chapter 4. I, I'm going to uh, talk while y'all are turning because I need y'all to turn. They were laughing because I was still adding on to this sermon this morning, and we currently have 39 slides in ProPresenter, and I'm not done with point one yet. <sighs> A lot of them are verses in Scripture because I, I, we've got to read some of this so we can truly understand where we are. So honestly, I don't know if we'll even get past the intro today, but it's all good. <laughs> it's all good because I believe that God has a, a word for us as the church, and also for us as believers. We will have all the scriptures up on the screen. It's in the, uh, whatever this new preaching Bible I got is. I'm trying to follow suit. Um, it is New American Standard Bible. I told him if I got this fancy new Bible, I was going to preach longer. So I'm not trying to preach longer. I'm just trying to give what God has given me to give you. So let's look through the scriptures here. And uh, 1 Samuel 4, we're going to start there, chapter, I mean, verse 1. I'm just going to read through. Go ahead and throw it up there. Thus the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to meet the Philistines in battle and camped beside Ebenezer. Ebenezer, if you're from the south. Uh, we have an Ebenezer, Louisiana, down there. Uh, with the Philistines camped in Ephek. Go to the next verse. The Philistines drew up in battle array to meet Israel. When the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men on the battlefield. It's not starting out well for them. Go to verse 3. When the people came into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us take to ourselves from Shiloh the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, that it may come among us and deliver us from the power of our enemies. Go to the next one, please, sir. Keep going. So the people sent to Shiloh, and from there they carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, who sits above the cherubim, and the two sons of Eli, Hopni, Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. Keep going, verse 5. 
As the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth resounded. Well, that sounds powerful. Look at verse 6. When the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What does the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. I'm resisting the urge to just start preaching, so keep going. The Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for nothing like this has happened before. Okay, keep going. i got to keep going, because I'm going to just start going. Woe to us who shall deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods. These are the gods who smote the Egyptians, all kind of plagues in the wilderness. Okay, we're going to jump down now, uh, I think, to verse 10. So the Philistines did what? They fought, and Israel was defeated. Wait a minute. Okay, nope. Keep. And every man fled to his tent, and the slaughter was very great, for there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Verse 11. And the ark of God was taken. It was captured. And the two sons of Eli, Hopni and Phinehas, died. Oh, boy. Now jump down to verse 14. There's just some little things in there that, that when we start going through the story, I left out just for time's sake. But go back and read them. It's not that they're not important. I just did that for, for the time's sake. Verse 14. When Eli, who's the daddy, who's the head priest at this time, heard the noise of the outcry, he said, What does the noise of this commotion mean? Then the man came hurriedly and told Eli. Now Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were so set that he could not see. Keep going. Watch this. The man said to Eli, I am the one who came from the battle line. That dude actually ran a long way. Uh, I escaped from the battle line today, and he said, how did things go, my son? Look at verse 17. Then the one who brought the, the news replied, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has also been a great slaughter among the people, and your two sons, Hopni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been taken. Remember, he's the head priest. Go to verse 18. When he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell off the seat backwards beside the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died, for he was old and heavy. Thus he judged Israel 40 years. I want you to look at verse 19 through 22. This is really where this all comes from today. Now his daughter-in-law, Phinehas' wife, was pregnant and about to give birth, and when she heard the news that the ark of God was taken, that her father-in-law and her husband had died, she knelt down and gave birth, for her pains came upon her. Verse 20. And about the time of her death, the woman who stood by her said to her, Do not be afraid, for you have given birth to a son. And that's generally a blessed thing. But she did not answer or pay attention. Verse 21. And she cried, well, she called the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel. Because the ark of God was taken, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. Verse 22, last one. She said, the glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God was taken. Go ahead and put that title slide up there for me. I want to talk to you today, has the glory gone? When I talk about glory, I want you to look at it in the glory, the presence, the anointing. Because I want to talk to you at, at different levels. Because I think there's part of it that belongs to the church, and there's part of it belongs to us as individuals. So we're talking about the glory, which is the presence, or also can be looked at as the anointing. We're going to talk about all parts of those today, but I want us to pray one more time before we, before we start. Father, 
I thank you for your, your presence in this place, Lord, your glory. I thank you, Lord, that your anointing is still upon this house and upon me. And, Lord, today I pray that your word that is always anointed will go forth. Lord, allow our hearts to be ready to receive. Allow me to be changed by the very words that you've called me to speak today. Let it challenge and change me as it does everyone else. Father, we need your word more than ever in this time, this hour and season of our, of our lives and of this world. Speak to us today, Holy Spirit. Have your way. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Throw back up that verse 21. I think it's the next one up there. It says this. And she called the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken and because her father-in-law and her husband. Ichabod means no glory or where is the glory. You know, we've all heard that story of, of Ichabod. But let me set the rest of this in motion for you. you you've got Eli, who is the priest, and his two sons. We're in uh, chapter 4. If you flipped back into chapter 3, which you'll have to go back there and read that, what you will see is the storyline we start seeing of God of God's speaking, and Samuel would get up and go to Eli, Yes, I didn't call you, son. Yes, I didn't call you. And what did he say eventually? Tell them, Here I am, Lord. So the voice of the Lord speaks to Samuel, and, and Samuel says, yes, Lord, here I am. And the Lord began to speak to Samuel. But if you go to chapter 1 and 2 and begin to read, you see that the, the things these sons were doing in the temple, with the father being the priest, what was being allowed. Now in chapter 3, the word of the Lord comes and begins to tell Samson, who Eli says, tell me what he said, but don't hold anything back. Now imagine that God just spoke these things to you, and I come to you and say, tell me these things and don't hold anything back. Because of the, the curses that your son has brought upon this house, and because of the things that you've allowed, you and your two sons will all die in the same day. And Eli no longer heard the word of the Lord. The glory had already departed from Eli. The anointing of the priesthood had already left him. Why? Because of the sin that was already in the camp. In his life and his son's life. So now here we are, we go to this point where we're looking at the great battle that's going on. And who's out there at the battle? The two sons. The sons are involved in this. But by the time the battle's over with, we see this word, Ichabod, it, where's the glory gone? Has it gone? Has it departed? Now, you know, I, as I was going through this, I find there's other examples of, of people that the glory or the anointing had left, and they didn't recognize it. Samson's a great example of that. Remember Samson? Samson and Delilah? Laying his head on that pretty woman's lap. Number one, the woman that he was never supposed to be with. I think it said somewhere in the Bible that he wasn't supposed to. But he was a big, strong guy. He, could, he was okay. I can handle this. That's like saying you're an alcoholic and I can set a beer in front of me and you will never touch it. There is a spiritual thing going on behind here. See, Samson decided he wanted to play. 
Can I tell you that there's a lot of church people wanting to play? Can I tell you there's a lot of churches wanting to play? It's a difficult time. It's another guy I found in there by the name of King Saul. King Saul, the very first king. And the things that he was doing along the way that, that upset God, and, and God anointed David. And once he anointed David, he just tried to kill him the whole time. But in the end, Saul went to the, he didn't go to the prophets anymore. What did he do? He went to the palm readers and, and, and the, the witches. And the, the question that we're really going to look at is how did they go from here to way over here? How, how does a man like Eli, who walks into the very presence of God, where the glory, when it came down, it, it shone everything, and, and they had to protect the people. Have, have you ever thought about this? You know the story of, of how the priests would walk in. They had to have bells around there, and they had to have a rope in case the bell stopped. Ding, 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 ding. They knew they were dead because it was sin in their life, and they walked into the presence of God. How do you think they found that out? <laughs> Now, I don't find it written in the Word anywhere, but how do you think they figured out that if you walked into the presence of God, you could die? Somebody must have died somewhere. And Eli, because he wants to be a good father, allowed his kids to do what they were doing. How does that happen? How is it that we set... And we accept the very blood of Jesus Christ. And, and we take communion and we share it and say, God, I receive your blood. But yet we live a life where there's no glory. There's no presence. There's no conviction over what we do. We put whatever we want on the TV and we turn it when somebody comes in and we don't want to get caught. I'm talking about us. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the believers today, but not the ones. I'm talking about the ones that are sitting at 7320 Highway 1. Some of us. How do we get from there to way over there? And you notice I didn't put them close. Because I don't think that's a short step. I don't think that's a short walkway. What, what does the glory look like? What does it feel like? If we don't know what it is, how do we know if we still got it? How many believers walk into church each week, their life is so full of sin, the only presence they ever feel is when the worship team and the congregation start worshiping together, and they're like, oh, that's the presence of God. I've missed that so much. I remember a preacher one time making a comment. I remember how I can comment, make this so that, that make sure you guys never know who this is. You probably never will anyways. But they had went to a, a service, and, and they're like, oh, I hadn't felt the presence of God in, in a long time. Huh? How's a preacher say that? How's a preacher walk up and say they haven't felt the presence of God in a long time? Man, listen, if you're getting in your word and you don't notice the presence of God around you when you're, when you're studying the scriptures, there may be a heart problem. Can I say that? There may be a problem. Well, you can't judge me. I'm not judging anyone. I'm telling you the very nature of what the word of God says. If you never get convicted of anything, is there even a Holy Ghost in your life? Because I know this much. He still slaps me on the back of the head like Denozo, the Denozo slap. And sometimes it's hard. And sometimes he got to kick me in the knee so I limp just a little while. 
because I ain't listening. Luckily, he hadn't go ahead and had to go get a donkey to come talk to me yet. I'm glad I haven't got that far. You see, we've all got things we struggle with, but what's the glory look like? How do we know if it's still in our lives? That's where we're going to get to in just a moment. Maybe you start losing battles that you used to win. Maybe you start slipping into things that you used to be able to catch yourself in. Are we talking about a physical glory or a spiritual glory? I say both. Look at this, 1 Samuel 4 and 4. This is where we're going to start at today. I made it to point one, Micah. Hallelujah. Should be the next one down. When the people came into the camp, look at this. When the people came into the camp, the elders of Israel said, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? They're questioning that. But look how bad it really is. Let us take to ourselves from Shiloh the ark of the covenant of the Lord that it may come among us and deliver us. And some of the other translations that God may deliver us. May deliver us. That God might help you. You hear that? Might. This is the, the very army that has defeated all these other people. Has there been some losses along the way? Yeah, when they fall into sin. Wait, they just lost again. Instead of thinking maybe there's something wrong, I know. Let's go get the ark. Ha! Huh. Point one. When we treat the glory of God like it's just an item or an ordinary thing, we're starting that walk. God's glory, his presence, and his anointing is never ordinary. And it just isn't a thing or an item. Touch not thy anointing. You know, even Michael, when he rebuked Satan, he said, the Lord rebuked thee. Why? Because he was the anointed cherub. You see, you've, you've got to really dig down into this thing and start looking at it. You've got to look at this. We treat the glory or the presence of the anointing like it's just an ordinary item. We walk in and, and we, oh, it's just God, don't worry about it. <laughs> I know I shouldn't be doing this. It's just God convicted me. It's no big deal. We do that. I've done that. I know the Holy Spirit said don't do that. And what happens? Well, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Yeah. Put that verse 4 back up again. Watch this. Let's, let's dig in. When the people came into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today? You see, there was already some spiritual things going on in the camp. Eli, it had already spread. It had already started to spread. Why do you think I tell you that you need to stay away from those old things that have control over you? Some of your old friends are the worst thing that ever happened to you. Can I tell you that I have friends from my past that I've tried to connect back with and I can't? You know why? 
We have nothing in common, and all that will happen is they will bring me back to a person that is dead, gone, buried, and just, I'm not going back. There's nothing for me back there. And all they want to do is remember what? Man, Rich, remember when we were in the club? You know, I remember being there, but that just ain't who I am anymore, and I'm not going to gloat and, and celebrate it. It's not me anymore. That's what they want to do is to go back. They want to go back. They want to go back. That's why you'll be out visiting with some friends, and next thing you know, they're handing you a beer. And you may not take it today, but next week you might. Because part of it is our urge that we need to be accepted. We need to be accepted by people. Can I tell you, the anointing and the glory is never accepted by common people. And I say common people are those that are not willing to fight after Jesus. You know, there's an old saying that you're so spiritual that you're no worldly good. I remember hearing that. I tell you, that's a lie. You're so spiritual that you're, or you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. That's another way of putting it. Can I tell you that your entire life should be wrapped around what's going on with Jesus? My heart, soul, mind, and strength. Is there anything else? Because once we stop focusing on those things, we will start looking for other things to feel the excitement. We always, that's how we are. Let us take to ourselves from Shiloh, which is where the, the, the holy place was, where the ark was, of the covenant of the Lord that it, the, yes, covenant of the Lord that it may come among us and deliver us from the power of our enemy. The Ark of the Covenant was the representation of the throne of God in Israel. It was kept in the most holy place of the tabernacle. The people never saw it. They took it out and made it common. We can walk amongst it. Only the high priest entered and saw the Ark and only once a year. The elders wanted to take this representation of the throne of God out of the Holy of Holies but it could only be moved when the tabernacle was to be moved with it. You see how many things have already stopped? Look at this. Cover it and bring it into battle with them. They hoped it would give confidence that God was really with them. Look what Ellison says. I put a couple quotes in here. This is what Ellison says. They believed the presence of the ark would make God work for them. Make God work for them. Their idea was that God should be forced to fight for them. If he was not willing to do it for their sake, he would have to do it for his own. Whew. <laughs> and then he comes back and says, no doubt it seemed like a brilliant suggestion. They were probably even pleased at that great solution. You know, Wendy, it, it reminds me. I'll grab some water real quick. It reminds me of, of a, uh, um, a fine arts thing that was going on. Fine arts is something that the Assemblies of God has where kids put together plays and human videos and dramas and all this. And it was a, a drama of a young lady. It, I just wish they would have, everybody would have had cell phones to video it back then, but it was just really starting to come out. And there was this young lady up there. You remember this one. Man, it drove, sh it, it, it literally, everybody in the place did, <gasps> because of what she did. She had been inviting Jesus over. She was sitting on the couch. That's all make-believe stuff, so it's just chairs. She's watching TV, so Jesus comes and visits. Jesus is sitting there, and all of a sudden, Jesus, you like this? Oh, no, you wouldn't watch this. Hold on. And she kept going through that. She kept going through that. 
And Jesus wanted to hang out with her, so she was going to hang out with her. And then all of a sudden, there was a phone call on the phone. And she's all excited, and this boy she really liked was going to be at this party. So she was going to go to the party. And Jesus didn't like that very much. He started to get up and leave. And all of a sudden, in, in the best California young girl, what was that show, 90210 type valley girl mentality, she pops over and she says, sit down to Jesus. And the whole place, whoa. Now, I don't play it off as well as she did. And she started going at him. And he was like, whoa. I've given up so much. I've done it. We do that. We do that. We do those same things. We wear crosses around our neck while we go out drinking, doing all the things that we do to make us feel good that God is with me. I know that doesn't bother y'all. We put so many things in our lives. We probably got like 30 Bibles laying around our house. Why do we have so many Bibles? We barely read one. But that makes us more holy. How about this one? This is a good one. You always got to, well, I, I know we don't do that today, but I just remember my grandparents, my grandmother, you know, being uh, Pentecostal as, as a kid. She would always open the Bible and put it on the, uh, the coffee table when the pastor was coming over. That was my aunt would do that. She'd put the Bible out, open it up on the coffee table when the pastor would come over. She'd also push the TV up, I mean, the um, piano up against the closet. That way they could play. And when he'd leave, they'd move it out of the way and turn the TV back on. How many things in our lives have we made into idols? How many things in our lives are they just become superstitious idols? You know, it's a beautiful cross, even though it's old and rugged, but has it become an idol to us that we will come up and reverence that more than the very Holy Spirit that lives inside of us? Think about it. We have people that will walk in and kneel down and, and come to an altar in some denominations and in certain churches, you know, and they'll respect, they'll do all the different things. But yet the very Holy Spirit of God, the, the one that they're supposedly reverencing, they will walk back out of the building and bring him places that they themselves should never be. But don't lift yourself up too high because we do the same thing. We do the same thing. Why is it, guys, that we, that we do these things? Do any of these idols have power alone or separated from God? No, but we've made them that way. They made the Ark of the Covenant nothing more than a box that would scare people and said, because your presence is on it, you're going to do this to people. It became a superstitious idol. Look at 2 Samuel 6. They're going to put it up there for you. We know this story. 2 Samuel 6, 6-9. But when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out toward the ark of God and took hold of it, for the ox nearly upset it or made it fall. Now, this is the ark when they're trying to bring it back. Look at the next verse. And the anger of the Lord burnt against Uzzah. And God struck him down there for his what? Irreverence. And he died there by the ark of God. 
Look at the next two verses, though. See, we, we stop there. David became angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah, King David. And the place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. Verse 9. So David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? Do we even have that kind of a reverential fear of the glory or the presence or the anointing? I know I've talked about the fear of the Lord before, but this brings it in a whole new light. A whole new light. Because think about it. Uzzah was just trying to help. Just think about the story. The ark was fixing to fall on the ground. But it's just a box, and it's fixing to fall on the ground. And all of you are like, yeah, but he couldn't, he couldn't. Yeah, but then why do we? Because just remember, Jesus died on a cross. His blood was shed. He was buried, went down, took the keys to death, held on the grave, got up out of there, presented himself, and now sits at the right hand of the Father. And believers say, dear Lord, forgive me for my sins. I have sinned. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Wash me with the blood, your blood that's so precious, is what we say, that was shed for me. You bought me. And I'm going to do what I want now. Right? And I'm going to do what I want now. Have we made all of this into nothing more than just a little idol? Have we made it all into something common? I don't ever take my Christianity lightly. I don't wake up in the morning and say, am I going to be saved today? I don't know. Do I have to go to Lafayette? Do I have to go to Walmart? Hmm. <laughs> Lafayette, Walmart. Who? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't do that. It's a choice every day I wake up. But the thing is, is I understand in my feeble mind, he paid a price for me. He paid a price for me. And I can't make him common. And I can't make his anointing common. And separated from everything else that goes on. See, here's the part that we're, we're missing in this story Uzzah knew not to touch it. He knew he couldn't touch it. But God knows my heart. <laughs> yeah, and you're buried there and they named it after you. You see, God knows my heart. He knew Uzzah's heart too. All he was trying to do was help. He said, don't you dare touch me. Don't you touch that. Don't. You see, it's not about your heart. We've got to get over that mess. God knows my heart. Yeah, and he knows, and it's a wretched thing. And throughout, with, with only the blood of Jesus, can he wash it and forgive it and cleanse it and change it? We've got to stop saying, I can just repent of this and go, and I can do what I want to do. This guy knew. And unlike our time, we don't see people dropping dead all the time. They knew. And they knew it to the point that they'd get up there and they'd sacrifice animals and everything else. And there was blood everywhere and it was messy and they'd burn it. And why? Because they knew the fear of the Lord and he still played games with it. Made it a superstitious thing. Superstitious thing. I know some of you are looking at this. Wait, I wrote this down. I got to see. The priest said to consecrate themselves to even get close to the ark. And you just want to reach out your hand and touch it. 
And I was thinking if sometimes maybe we make the Bible kind of like of our menu. Well, God says he's going to bless me this way, this way, and this way. So when we pray, we treat the Holy Spirit like our waitress taking our order. Just a thought. Just a thought. Second Chronicles 4, look at this. We know the scripture. 414. And my people who are called by my name, we know this. We've been praying this, right? Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, right? Yeah. And will forgive their sin and will heal their land, huh? And my people who are called by my name. Okay, hold on a second. That means they know him. That means he knows them. That means they know the thou shalt nots. That means they're doing what they were told. Hmm. Not just some. You see, I, I think sometimes it would be easier for us if we had the same understanding of the law that the Jewish people do. According to the Torah, that you were supposed to put on your left sock and your right sock. Your left shoe, your right shoe. And if it's a tie shoe, you have to tie your left shoe and then your right shoe. If you do any of that in any other order, you just broke all of the laws in your subject. And they had to add that in there when they started tying shoes. So you get home and just kick the shoe off. You just sinned. And you broke the entire law. <laughs> now you got to go to sacrifice. And each priest that comes up can add to the oral law. As things change, they add to the oral law. But the very first law in the original Torah is there shall be no other law. So they added a second book so they could do the oral stuff as they needed to change because they had to add in the tying because they tie shoes now. And, and we needed to change the law. And that's why their laws are thousands and thousands. Who could possibly keep them all? Nobody. But Jesus did. You see, if we understood that the way they understand that, I think it would be easier on us. But what we do is, is oh, well, I can ask for forgiveness. I can humble myself and pray, and God will, yeah. It's better to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. That's our mentality. How about live our life to the point where we're just going to do what it is he said he was. We do what he told us to do so that his presence and his glory can stay on our lives and we can go out and live in peace with everybody and we can do all these things. Hmm. Humble themselves and consecrate themselves, not halfway. People that are called by my name are not playing halfway. That's why back over in the book of Revelation, they had to talk about the what? Those people that are lukewarm. Because in the Old Testament, there wasn't lukewarm. You either were or you weren't. Right? You know, still today in some countries, they practice those kind of things. If you get caught stealing, they cut your hand off. I was in one of those foreign countries when they were doing that, and they told Americans, don't come. We weren't allowed to go watch. Not like I wanted to anyways. But that's what they told us. Because Americans are crazy. My people who are called by my name, they humble themselves, which number one says, God, I'm a sinner. I can't do anything without you and help me to not do anything wrong. They consecrate themselves. They're not going halfway. They're going all the way. They're trying to stay holy in everything they do. But look at what McLaren says. There are plenty of Christians like these elders who, when they find themselves beaten by the world and the devil, 
They puzzle their brains to invent all sorts of reasons for God's smiting, except the the true one, their own departure from him. When things aren't working right in our life, we find all kinds of reasons why it didn't work, except for the most obvious one, the very first one we should always do, my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And God, what happened? Well, all that sin that you got in your life. But God, you walked away from me. I didn't walk away from nothing. God's like, I ain't, I, listen, I'm, I'm immovable. I'm the same yesterday as the day, yesterday, tomorrow, forever. I've been this way forever and ever, and I'm not changing. I'm sitting here like, I want to help you. Oh, no, I got, I got this. I got this. That next wave is fixing to take you over. You, you fix, can I help you now? Oh, no, I got this. Yep, he's going to drink about a gallon. Well, I'm going to help him a little bit and pull it up. And, yep, come on, get it out, get it out, get it out. Get, okay, yep, you're, can, I, can I help you now? Oh, no, I got this. <sighs> Listen, <laughs> that's what happens. God is always sitting there. I think sometimes he goes around underneath and just kind of pushes you up. That's what we used to do in search and rescue school. We'd push those guys up from the bottom after they start choking because you can't get close to them because they're going to drown you. Hmm. Let's look at Hebrews. We're almost done, I promise. I'm, I'm going to get through this point today, Micah. I am going to make it. I, I'm, I purposed in myself to make it. That don't mean I don't add more and we finish next week. But I, I've got two more big things I need to say today. Hebrews chapter 4. See, this was, this was the thing right here when I, I started challenging some of this with the Lord. See, I, I challenged some of this stuff with him saying, Lord, but you said. How, how is it I'm supposed to have this, this I just can't touch? Micah, go to the third one of these slides, 16. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. How am I supposed to boldly be able to just walk up to your throne like I own the place? That's what boldly means, don't it? That's like I go to Dave's house, I just pop the door open. Bro, what's going on? You know, jump in the icebox. <laughs> he could be like, <laughs> right? Boldly go that I may receive mercy and find grace to help me in my time of need. We love that scripture, but. Go, go back to, this is, yeah, you got to go back to 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast on our confession. Whoa, there's a confession here. Mm. Isn't that what we were talking about earlier? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. I confess you are Christ. I give you everything. Yep, let's, okay, let's go look on. Now that we're getting that mindset, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize. He, he knows we have weaknesses. How does he know we have weaknesses? Because we go to him. And we talk to him. But one who has been tempted in all things as we, and yet without sin, he can help us get through them. We're not supposed to stay in them. You, you don't walk up to the throne of God with sin setting in your life. No man shall see God and live, and especially not with sin in your life. Remember the bells? But look at verse 15. This is where we like to live. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with... Oh, yep, 16, I'm sorry. (laughs) For therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help me in time of need. 
We love that one, but we don't want to do what it takes to get there. Have you noticed that's a theme here? There's a theme. You know, I've even taught you this, and, and a lot of people don't teach this. You know, we, we come to the altar to give our offerings to the Lord, right? We, we come and we bring our offerings to the Lord. But when you go in and start looking at forgiveness, if you have ought against a brother and you're going to bring your offering, you're supposed to leave it and go deal with it, you can't even bring an offering to God. If you've got unforgiveness in your heart or ought against a brother, don't give your money because you're just dropping it in there. Don't expect anything. See, we have this idea that we can just boldly go in and it doesn't matter because of Jesus, but there is still some requirements along the way. And there's some expectations from him that you don't treat him like he's an item and walk in like he's a nothing. He is the God that created everything, but he has given us access to him, which is crazy. But he still says you are going to walk up in here and you're going to have humble yourself. And you're going to have all these things in your life. You're going to work out these things. I'm giving you the keys to that door, but don't you ever just walk in here like you own the place. Look at this. I've got two more little things to read, and we're done with this point. Look what Spurgeon says. Anybody like Spurgeon? Yeah, y'all know this is going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah, just hold on. Of, instead of attempting to get right with God... These Israelites set about devising superstitious means of securing the victory over their foes. Whew. He ain't done yet, though. In this respect, most of us have imitated them. We think of a thousand inventions, but we neglect the one that's needful. They forgot the main matter, which is to enthrone God in the life and seek to do his will by faith in Christ Jesus. That's it right there. That's it. The main matter. Enthrone God in our lives and seek to do his will by faith in Christ Jesus. I, I read this the other day. I shared it with y'all. Hold on. I got to pull this back up because it just it fits so well. It fits so well. Where did I put it? Mm, I don't know where I put it now. Oh, Jesus. It talked about, I must have deleted it off of here and put it on my other device. It talked about the fact that we cannot carry his cross when we're carrying the things of the world. You have to put one down to carry the other. You're either carrying his cross or you're carrying the world. You can't carry both. And when you attempt to carry the world... And walk up like you own the place. Get ready. Yeah, but pastor, I read and I pray and I'll like, yeah. That's fine. What about the other things? Guys, it's the little foxes that spoil. It's the little. It's the small things that we do in life that we think nobody's going to see. I, I always thought that was so crazy. Well, nobody's going to know. There's a guy up there that keeps track of everything you've done in your entire life. He sees everything. How is he not going to know? No, that's because our thought is, I don't want fellow believers or the pastor to know. We don't ever go there. <laughs> we go here. Turn your Bibles to Psalms 51, verse 10. I want to read this, and I made it through this one. Psalms 51, 10. I didn't put any of that up there. 
but you can get it. I'm going to read some more. Verse 10. Look at what it says right here, guys. Create me in a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. We know this verse. Who wrote this? King David. Wait a minute. He was the guy after God's own heart. Who got the woman pregnant, killed her, killed the husband. Uh, yeah. Throw up chat, uh, verse 1 for me. Guys, we got to back up a little bit and read. There again, you see, that's why it's so bad. Don't ever just take the one scripture. Look at what's around it. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your long loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. That's the same thing, basically. You blot out the transgressions, create a new heart in me. Go to verse 2. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Well, wait a minute. He didn't start with, God, why did you neglect me? Why did you forsake me? Why did you, why did you wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin? He knew who was at fault here. Look at verse 3. For I know my transgressions and my sin is even before, ever before me. See, he's acknowledging who he is compared to God, right? Verse 4. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Look at this. You want him to create a new heart inside of you? You got to start there. You got to work your way down the list. If we want to stop considering him an idol, an, an idol or an item or ordinary, you can't do that if, if the love of Christ is not in you. A, a sinner can't do that because their spirit is still dead. They can't acknowledge those things. Look at verse 5. Almost done. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Look, keep reading. Watch. Six. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Keep going. Purify me with the hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be wither, whiter than snow. Keep going. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Keep going. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. And now we're back to 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit. Has the glory gone? Has conviction gone? Do you still feel the presence of God in your life other than when you come in here with a group of people? You see, it's easy to walk into a, to a, a church where, where people are worshiping and loving God and say, oh, yeah, I still feel the presence of God. And can I tell you that my opinion is, is that there's a lingering effect with that? And I believe there's more than just opinion, but I say it's my opinion because the only example I have of that is Moses got into the presence of God and the glory of God, and he had to cover his face because of the glory. I think we get into the presence of God, and it may last for days, that little bit of an effect. But are you sensing that outside? When you get into prayer time, when you get into the word, when you turn on the music and you start singing. I had a friend that God told him one day, he was driving down the road. He says, I am trying to tell you some truth about some things. You're in error, but you won't listen. <laughs> what? He pulled the truck over. <laughs> he could have kept driving and said, oh, that was the pizza I ate for lunch. See, there's always a choice, guys. And God opened his eyes to some things, and he left a denomination because of it. You see, 
We can never consider his voice common, ordinary, his word, all of those things. Are you considering him like that? What's in your life that's making you sense him as an ordinary? What is it that's pushing him away saying, no, I got this? What is it that's in your life? What is it, guys? There's, there's, there's always things. But the, the true question is, is, are you tired of dealing with the things? Have you become thirsty and hungry enough for the true presence and glory of God that you say, I can't have that anymore? When we get to that point, we're ready. We can finally come up out of there. And one by one, God works on these things in our lives. One by one, he works on them. One by one. Just put something soft on for a minute, guys. One by one, he works on them. You know, when I had my gallbladder out, we thought it was, at first we thought it was um, acid reflux. And that thing hurt so bad the next day, hurt so bad. By the third day, I did some work for a guy, and he brought me out to lunch, and I cried when I looked at the food. I said, I can't eat it, man. I can't do this no more. I said, mm. I was in such pain. And then we found out it was my gallbladder, and they took it out after about five days. But I looked at that food, and my thought was, if it's going to put me back in pain like this again, I can't. I will never eat again. Never. Never. When we start viewing those sins in our life for what they are as sins, when we start viewing them as walls, when we start viewing them as things that separate and they create pain and anguish and problems in our life, we'll, we'll leave them. And I was at a Chinese buffet, and I love Chinese. And I started crying. I was literally about to tear up. I was like, I can't eat it, man. I can't have this pain no more. I, I can't. I just drank water. It's the only thing that didn't hurt. Yeah. That's how we need to view the things in our life to separate us from God. That's how we need to view them, guys. Listen, I'm just going to open the altars up if you want to come pray. Let me tell you right now, if you're waiting to be the first one and you don't want people to judge you, humble yourself. Just get up and come to that altar and just spend a few minutes with him. Because I believe this, our acknowledgement, like we saw in the scriptures right there, is the very first step moving ourselves back where we need to be. That's where we need to be. Just get up and find a spot. I'm going to go find me one for a few minutes.
Father, forgive us. Jesus, forgive me. Those things that I've put between you and me, that I continue to put between you and me, help me to remove them, Holy Spirit. Devalue those things. Devalue those things. Because your worth never changes. But I try to put things in the way that that create value over them. Devalue them so that I won't want to do them anymore. God remind you of who he is. Let God remind you of who he wants to be in your life. Let him remind you of who you are. When you start realizing who you are, you realize the price that was paid to get you there. You know, God has shown me things that I have yet to see come to pass. But I'll see him one day. But, you know, I have to ask the question like I, I asked before earlier when I was praying about all this. And I, I went and asked again. One of my, my prayers is always, God, what is it? What is it? What is it? That's what I ask. What is it? And, you know, he reveals things to me and I have to deal with them. See, I have to deal with a lot of these things before I walk up here and preach. I'm, I'm not saying I'm any better. Trust me. I just get to know about it before I preach it because I've been dealing with it already. <laughs> but it makes me a better person every time. So I have to live through it twice. Once when God's dealing with me about what I need to put on paper and as it's going and I'm having to repent and he's dealing with me and then when I preach it that I have to deal with it again. <laughs> God loves us so much. He has the best in for every one of us. He wants us 
to succeed. It's generally we lose because of ourselves. We lose because of what we've done. Amen. Jesus. As listen, I love you. That's why I preach truth to you. That's why I preach the way I do. God didn't call me to preach any other way. Uh, I can't be anybody else. I'm sorry. So you turn the lights back on. So listen, I'm going to sign off with our online community out there. We love you guys. Make sure you tune in Wednesday for the service. Got some more great stuff for you there. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for all the pastor appreciation gifts, guys. That's, that's why I keep using my cup. I got my water in there. But I was given this cup. Man, this thing is just so cool. I don't generally even carry these things, honestly. But this one is just too cool not to. So I put my water in there on Sunday morning because I'll open like four bottles and drink half of it, and I don't want to waste. So this way I just fill it up. And <laughs> y'all laugh at me, but I, I threw some away already. <laughs> I do that. Then I'll leave them up there. So this way I'm not wasting but thank you all again, man. It was just me and my family are so blessed by you guys and, and all the kind words you said. Uh, I didn't get any mean ones, so that was a plus. Thank you all. Uh, <laughs> Sister Lisa, what are you doing? <laughs> no, I love you guys. Thank you all. Again, make sure you sign up. Hey, and if somebody's not here and, and you know they want to attend, let me know to make sure we can get them on the list. We're going to have some extra plates, but, you know, uh, if you've got a friend you want to invite, this is a great opportunity. If they don't attend another church, we ain't trying to steal people from church, so don't. Y'all know that. If they don't attend a church, this is a great opportunity to get them in church. You know why? Because we're feeding them. If you feed them, they will come. Yeah. It's true. Listen, it's going to be three years. This will be, uh, actually, this will be our fourth Thanksgiving here. And that's why we laughed. We laughed. Because you know what they tell you in Bible school? If you can't preach good, preach short. If you can't do that, feed them. So my first Sunday here was our Thanksgiving fellowship, and I preached a short sermon, and we ate. I was like, yes. <laughs> so, again, love you guys. Hey, thank you all. Continue to pray. We have, we have some people in our congregation.